When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by Green Mountain at Fox Run, the pioneering women's retreat to help you find peace with food, fitness, and your body. Green Mountain's annual end-of-the-year sale is going on now. Save 20% in 2017 when you register by midnight on New Year's Eve. A life free of weight, eating, and body struggles is closer than you think. Visit fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 50 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I have a question for you. When was the last time you ate without a diet? You know, I think we live in a world where dieting is now normal eating. I wish you could see my sad face right now because... I really hate that. I hate saying it and I hate admitting it, but I need to just be honest. I feel like dieting and um, exercising to burn calories, those types of behaviors are an accepted part of our culture as normal and even as health promoting. And why this is so sad to me is because I know reading research, working with people now for close to 20 years, that dieting harms us. It's something that Um, really disconnects us from our own innate wisdom to promote health. And it just causes more problems than it fixes. Yet it's this kind of industry that makes it seem like it's our fault when it doesn't work, but it doesn't work for most people. So if you can identify with the constant dieting, or if you can't remember the last time you ate without a diet, or if you do remember the last time you ate without a diet and you just recall lots and lots of chaos and feeling out of control or paralyzed by the choices, then I think you're going to identify with this episode's letter writer. And the cool part is you also get to meet by listening to this episode, the fabulous Erica Leon. She's a dietitian that lives in New York and has some really great things that she's doing now to help people to reconnect to their own innate wisdom. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about this episode. So let's go ahead and listen to this week's letter. Dear Food, I tried to throw you up for the first time today. I learned about these habits in health class, but somehow removing you from my body felt like an instinct I'd been trained to disapprove of. Everything made sense and was acceptable when it came to removing you. At age 14, 
I remember writing in my journal that I knew a better person was inside of me somewhere and that enough self-help key to charisma books would get me to that point. I remember the first diet I went on, and from that point on, I went from vegan to gluten-free to low-carb to paleo to fasting to binging to all of them in desperate cycles. My father left when I was young, and I resisted bonding with my stepfather, who was not the most loving man to begin with. In my teens, my birth father reached out on Facebook and started making excuses for why he left. In high school, I made countless excuses for why I escaped relationships. I was running home to binge and cry instead of grabbing food with friends and falling in love. College culture congratulated me for my diet and exercise. No one was worried about me because why should they be? I looked awesome and seemed totally sane. I didn't need a man. I didn't need a milkshake. But in my own mind, I didn't need a meal. Food, I've recently gained weight and found that my life is not as controlled as I believed it to be. My family life is in chaos in ways that I feel I can't even relay in this letter. And a recent relationship fell apart because my boyfriend couldn't understand me. I just want to eat a piece of bread without eating the loaf and loathing. Sincerely, Loaf of Loneliness. Before we consider this week's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Green Mountain at Fox Run, the pioneering women's retreat to help you find peace with food, fitness, and your body in Ludlow, Vermont. For over 40 years, Green Mountain has helped thousands of women who struggle with weight, emotional, and binge eating, and feelings of food addiction. Last year, Green Mountain opened its Women's Center for Binge and Emotional Eating, the only clinical program in the nation dedicated solely to women suffering with binge eating disorder and emotional eating. Ready to set yourself free from dieting and restrictions, untruths and fads? Visit fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information. And register by midnight, December 31st, 2016 and get 20% off in 2017. Not sure about your calendar? Don't worry. You may reschedule the dates of your stay once without a change fee. Lock in this amazing rate now. Visit fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information. Hey there, loaf of loneliness. Thank you so much for your letter. And I'm wondering if you've ever um, compared the words skinny and fat, not necessarily like body weight or anything like that, but just kind of did a word association with those two words. I wish we could do them together, but we can't. But I want you to just kind of think about it. And I'm going to make some assumptions just by, I don't know, living in the same world that you live in and also from talking to lots of folks about body size and assumptions And what I'm gathering is that in our world right now, the word skinny is associated with a lot of things that are typically positive, like disciplined and controlled and got our shit together. And the word fat is often associated with words like lazy and out of control. And I think it's important for us to call out these false truths that have been fed to us by our toxic 
culture, our toxic diet culture that is focused on thin as the ideal and thin as the only acceptable size. Not too long ago, I got to bond with a dietitian who I knew a little bit of about. I kind of knew her work, but I'd never met her. Her name is Erica Leon. I got to bond with her at a conference. And that's something we have in common, that we think that skinny versus fat and those stereotypes are these myths and these false, false truths that were taught by our diet culture. And when I met her, I had such a great time talking to her and um, we had just so much in common that I asked her to come on my podcast and she said she would. And so from reading your letter, letter writer, I think she is going to provide some amazing insight to you. Let's give her a call and hear what she has to say. Hey, Erica. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Oh, hi, Julie. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to help me with a letter. It's my pleasure. Um, Did you get a chance to read it? I did. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, so I thought about a lot of things when I was reading it, and I am wondering... Well, usually you and I are on the same page about these things, but Mm -hmm. I am wondering what's your impression about what she's experiencing from reading it? You know, my first feeling, my initial reaction was that, you know, I don't know her, but she could be any woman. This is a very just sort of typical reaction to to, uh, our dieting culture and kind of feeling out of control and, and, and thinking that dieting and um, binging will, will help and make a person make her feel more in control when in fact um, it really has the opposite effect. So, um, but I also feel her desperation and her pain and, and, and sadness, a lot of sadness for her. I mm. want to help her feel less sad. Yeah. You know what? I feel like our world today, it's so common, like you said, to experience this kind of relationship with food and have this like totally bogus myth that like if we um, eat the right way and if our body looks the right way, then we have all of our shit together. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's going to lead so many people, like the majority, to feel desperation and sadness because that's not going to be our reality. You no, know? absolutely. You know what I what I really like, though, about from the, this reader is that she has really good instincts. She mentioned that she came very close to actually purging. She mentioned that she'd learned about these in health class, which, which you know, is I'm going to just put that in the back of my mind to, to bring up again, because that was a little bit of a trigger, um, about what happens in health class. But interestingly, her instincts are right on. She knows in her value system that purging, um, is not a healthy behavior and that really could get her into more trouble. So I I congratulate her for having that foresight for being aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just wanted Mm -hmm. to mention that about her. You know, she's really had a lot of trauma in her life and kind of, I can understand why she would come to a place of, of using food to, to soothe and, and to cope with some of the trauma that she's had with her, with her father leaving. Um, very sad. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in a way she's, you know, the food that's been so chaotic really has been for her. It was a comfort to either to sort of binge or, or to not, to not eat, sort of to be numb, you know, and I mainly 
feel that she's trying to just control all these feelings she doesn't want to have. So again, I'm feeling sad for her, but, but happy that she's ready to make some changes, which is why I would imagine she wrote to you. Yeah. You know what? I think that's a really good point to bring up that this latter writer has really good instincts and with all this chaos and letdowns that she's had, like she still is connected to her wisdom, like her yes. body's own ability to choose the right thing for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fortunate that our culture is so diet heavy and, you know, toxic mm-hmm. about that and making seem like that's the only way because it's getting in the way of all those instincts that she really she, she can follow those like they seem to lead her in the the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's really um, common, I think, like you said, too, like especially when someone's experienced a trauma to mm-hmm. use food in this way or maybe even different ways to to cope with a trauma. Is that something that you see a lot of, too? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I work with people with that, that come in with frank eating disorders, disordered eating thoughts. And often it's really, they come to the dietitian first and it's, it's not always about the food. And I want to just make the point for this woman, and I'm thinking about if she had come into my office, I would probably be referring her to talk to a, a mental health professional. Um, because I was thinking about this, you know, that the, what I would suggest for her is to really work on letting go of the notion of dieting and changing her body and really trusting her inner wisdom and coming to a place of accepting that all foods fit and that diets are really not the solution. And I think that as she would do that, her feelings would really bubble up to the surface. And I think that it would be helpful and important for her to be able to talk about those feelings as they, as they arise, Mm -hmm. um, because she's been using the food as, as a coping mechanism. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, that with a history of trauma, which is, which is not uncommon, she might be in, in need of some, some additional counseling. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like counseling can be so important. I wish there wasn't a stigma associated with therapy. I mean, I feel like it's been such an important part of my own life and I am so thankful for that, having access to that. And you know, the, um, what you said about like this way of relating to food has mm-hmm. helped her or when she stops relating to food in this way, rather, mm-hmm. some of those feelings will bubble to the surface. And I feel like it's important for people to remember that dieting or any kind of disordered eating or eating disorder, it has a function. And instead of feeling ashamed of it, like you're saying, like it has a function, it helped her get through that trauma. And, mm-hmm. um, Let's just remember that. And that's, you know, it's something that we talk a lot about in this podcast. And I think it was in episode 20, we talked a lot about like how, especially the behavior of binging, how it can have a lot of function in dealing with life and trauma. And so once we kind of understand its role, I feel like it's important then to have someone there as we do walk away from it however we can to have someone there to help with like whatever comes up to the surface. So yeah, I agree. Mental health professional would be worth so like worth every dime and worth all that time, you know? Absolutely. And then I I will say that as she's becoming more ready to take the next step, I, you know, in, in my practice, I would be introducing the concept of intuitive eating with her, which is, I, I just love the, this wonderful book by, 
um, Evelyn Tripoli, Annalise Resch, these amazing dietitians who've paved the way for so many of us in really recognizing that diets don't work and finding a different way of managing our food in, in a way to feel satisfying and, and recognizing that we really can eat all kinds of foods without having any emotions attached. All foods fit. You know, there's no good, there's no bad. Um, so this is what I would be really wanting to introduce loaf of loneliness to. This is what I'd want her to, to read. Um, but again, it would be with the knowledge that she'd be working with a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you require that oftentimes in your practice? Well, what I want to say is interesting is because I'm a nutrition therapist and have a, I'm known in the eating disorder community a bit, um, patients will come to me and, and often they won't have a therapist yet. And it's definitely a requirement Mm -hmm. when I work with someone with disordered eating. Um, you know, and, and, and sometimes people will, um, come to me and we work for a little while. And then as we talk more and and people become more comfortable, some things become revealed and it's, it's clear at that point that they do would, would benefit from speaking to a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a requirement, um, of someone with it, with an active eating disorder. And sometimes it comes up, um, anyway. So I think it's important for all of us to recognize our scope of practice and to make appropriate referrals when it feels right. So I hope yeah. that answers the question. Yeah, it does. And, you know, because I think for this letter writer, and like you said, so many women could have written this letter yeah. and yes. so yes. many women. And I think for a lot of us, we think we can fix ourselves through the food. Mm-hmm. And that's where as dietitians, we appreciate that it's not always about the food. You know, the food is important and having a healthy relationship with food is important. And there's so much more involved than just that. So, um, no, and I, I practice in the same way because it's not always like, um, I have to have mental right. health professional, but a lot yeah. of times we come to this point in our work together where it becomes like, you know, that a therapist would really be a wonderful catalyst for you, you know, because I know you're absolutely. feeling stuck. Yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. and it's it does feel like we'll know. We know when the time is. Mm-hmm. And, and often the client knows, you know, that they're struggling with something and then they're just feeling feeling really uncomfortable. And I think that is the cue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because yeah. it is about, you know, learning new ways to feel. Yeah. Um, and that is really uncomfortable, but that's such an important spot to be in because I, I feel like that's when you know you're growing, you're um, challenging yourself, you're stretching and moving away from the kind of toxic like diet culture. You know, when you're feeling that discomfort, that's where I'm like, okay, you're on to something. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I'll just say that on a personal note, um, I mean, not, not, every, not everything in here uh, sounds like me, but I can certainly relate to many of the aspects that, that, um, this woman has, has responded to, um, just, I was cleaning out my mother's apartment, the, the, my childhood home. She just moved to Florida and left us to clean out her apartment. And it's amazing what I came across, um, sort of with, with dust and cobwebs on it, every single diet book. It was really an interesting journey (laughs) down memory lane, looking at the Atkins diet, and they actually, my mother did share that she had been to see Dr. Atkins. Oh, wow. <laughs> the, the Stillman Diet, Weight Watchers, South Beach, on and on and on. Weight Watchers, measuring bowls and cups. I mean, just things that it's like, wow, this diet culture was in my home. I went to Weight Watchers when I was 14. And, you know, and I'm looking at this woman when she was 14. She's writing in her journal. It's like, 
I was 14 and I went to Weight Watchers. And again, looking at things, looking at my history, I wasn't overweight in any way. I was a totally normal, healthy child. And actually, I should not have used that word overweight because that really is, is in, in my perception, in my mind at that time, I was overweight, but we know overweight doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, over what? So, yeah, yeah. Over what? so yeah. just to make that, that point, mm-hmm. that that, mm-hmm. that notion is pervasive in, in diet culture. Mm-hmm. So I think we can all relate to this letter writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I do. And I think um, I'm really happy that this person wrote to us because it is going to help other people, you know, just hearing a similar story. And so what I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned starting intuitive eating for someone in in this kind of who's describing this relationship with food. What do you think the first few steps would be for someone? Well, I think that the first step really would be, as I, as I mentioned, to, to start working with a mental health professional. But when the time was right, um, I would, I would love to work with her <laughs> or, mm-hmm. some, or have her see a, a dietitian, a dietitian. Uh-huh. works with in the health that every size, um, and an intuitive eating um, approach, uh, the non-diet approach, and have her read the book Intuitive Eating, which is it's just uh, near and dear to me. I, I I actually must say that I think I've read it. I just told my class twelve times. I'm at them the thirteenth times, <laughs> but <laughs> I every time I read it, I get more things out of it, nuanced. But the first step really is to let go of the dieting mentality which is a very, very scary feeling. And a lot of people do feel, I'm, I'm going to make a point, feel quite out of control. And people will say to me, I don't know what to eat. I really don't know what to eat. And and sometimes I actually will help people come up with some ideas, not necessarily, and it's not a rigid meal plan, it's not a diet, but some general ideas about combinations of foods that might be more satisfying than others and sort of help people explore their own feelings of hunger and fullness and really tune in to what their body is telling them. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this letter writer has a lot of wisdom and, and her, like her instincts and her wisdom, I'd want her to use it to, to look within at this point. So that's where I would be send, sending her to start looking at her hunger and fullness and learning what food she actually likes, what she doesn't like. Um, yeah, that would be the first step. Well, and you mentioned something I think is really important, which I don't know if we've talked about on this podcast before. And she mentions, the letter writer mentions this, like that feeling of out of control Mm -hmm. and the chaos, um, especially when she's not following these kind of um, different kind of diets. And I think that's a really common first step towards moving away from diets. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people just stop there because it is scary Um, it also has a level of like excitement, you know, because it's like no dieting. And so it can feel like binging and out of control, yet it doesn't last forever. And so that's something I want to let this letter writer know, you know, if she does find a team to work with Mm -hmm. and she feels that out of control feeling, especially with that team, just know that that out of control feeling is just a small blip, you know, it's not going to feel crazy forever. And it's just because that rigidity gives that false sense of like a safety net. And when you take that away, that false sense of like, oh, no, I don't know what to do is there. But your body has always been there. Yeah, like she'll she'll be okay. Yeah, she'll she'll remember. She'll remember the things that she used to like eating. She'll remember. It'll take your time. Yeah, Yeah, that's another thing too. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people get disconnected from what do I actually like and what do I want to eat? And I feel like that in those moments, what I often tell people is like, 
you know, if you, especially how you said, sometimes you give people a little bit of guidelines that are just to help them feel less anxiety. And a lot of times I'll tell people, you know, why don't you just give yourself um, two options? Like I want something soft or crunchy, <laughs> you know, yeah. or I want something hot or cold and yeah. just, and just give yourself like something black and white that is not limiting and just, and what you'll find is uh, the anxiety will start to decrease just even with that. Or like, what color food do you want to pick? You know, just pick that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Just a little bit of guidance. Just correct. a little so bit. A little bit of guidance. Yes. Mm -hmm. It'll give that net a little bit more. Like, it's almost like a way to kind of slowly let go of that safety net. Right. Um, well, Erica, you have been so wise. I really appreciate it. And I know the letter writer is going to appreciate it. And I am wondering, you mentioned something about the food piece syllabus. And for sure, on our required reading every semester here, we have the, <laughs> we have intuitive eating. Um, is there anything else you would like to add to that? Um, there are a couple of other books that I recommend um, as a dietitian. I'm just going to make that point. Um, I really like the book, Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat by Michelle May. She's a doctor who has a whole program um, on mindful eating, and it's a wonderful book. And there's also another one that I recommend to many of my clients called The Diet Survivor's Handbook. Um, and I think that I'm looking at the cover right now, and it actually says, you have not failed your diet. Your diet has failed you. Yes. And that really is the bottom line. So those are those are some very good books to get started with. <laughs> I love those. I think those are really good ones. And, um, you know, the, the eat what you love, love what you eat. I love how that's written by a physician. You know, there's not many diet books by physicians that reject dieting and she does an excellent job. And the diet survivors handbook, I think that was a game changer for me. That was one of the first ones I read. And so I think it's, it's important. And I think they, either are going to update it or they just updated it. One of that, one of those. So we'll put that on both of those on the syllabus. Um, and I have a feeling folks listening are going to want to know more about how they can reach you and, and any programs you may have. Is there a way that they can reach you? Oh, absolutely. They can go to my website, which is www.ericaleon.com. And I actually am going to have an intuitive eating program, uh, which is virtual, meaning people can actually join from their home, from their computers, from their phones. And it will be starting in January in the new year. Um, and the information about that will be on my website, as well as um, an opportunity to listen to a webinar, free webinar um, on January 10th at seven o'clock Eastern time. And they can come and find out about that on my Facebook page or on my um, website because I really like people to learn a little bit more about it before they make a commitment to sign up. But um, I'm having a lot of fun. I've already been doing the classes. And I think that it's the camaraderie of, of the, being in it's a small group is is very nice. And it's live. And it's 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 it's, it's a little bit different than being in, in the same room. But it's not that different. Mm -hmm. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, my next one. Yeah, awesome. in the new year, instead of a diet, come and learn about intuitive eating. That's oh, I would love that. That is something I wish everyone could really experience that they don't have to start a diet this January, National Diet Week Month that's coming yes, up. Correct. I'm so excited about that program. Um, what I'll do is I will put links to your um, website and um, how they can connect to your webinar, the free webinar, which sounds awesome to see if they um, 
are a good fit for intuitive eating and if they're ready to go. And then also the books that you mentioned, I'll make sure I put all of those in the show notes for us. So it'll be easy to reference. And thank you so much for your time today, Erica. Absolute pleasure, Julie. Delightful talking to you. And hopefully we can help. Hopefully we helped uh, the reader. I think we did. (laughs) I think so. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Loaf of Loneliness. I hope that my discussion with Erica helped you have some first steps toward healing. Um, I know you're craving a different way of relating to food. And just know that your experiences are so very common. Just like Erica said, so many people could have written that letter. We've worked with so many people and talked to so many people who are experiencing the exact same thing. So I hope just knowing that you're not alone also helps you to connect a little bit sooner to that wisdom that's gonna always direct you towards health and peace. So food has written you back. So I wanna hear what food has to say. But until then, I really wanna know how things are going. So please keep us posted on things. Uh, Shoot me an email, let me know how things are going and just know that we are rooting for you. Take care. Dear Loaf of Loneliness, You are disconnected from your wisdom and courage. We hear your desperation for change. Know your wisdom and courage are patiently awaiting your reconnection. They appreciate your ways of eating have provided a functional distraction from your tough life events and toxic culture. As you make those first wobbly steps towards healing, know others are ready to hold your hand And using your own wisdom and courage, we know you'll bravely walk with firm footing again. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food Series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.